Good morning, Mr. Ledyard. Thank you for coming in again for another episode of Path to Follow. You're uh, starting the year off as the head of the upper school this year, so I want to talk to you a little bit about your new role and how everything's going for you so far this year. What are we in second or third week? This is the beginning of week three. This is the beginning of week three. Yeah. Well, it, go, it goes fast once yeah. you start getting in the swing of things. Like once I get my students' names down, I yeah. feel like it's a blender. <laughs> we, I guess, but yesterday's class was just the fourth, I think, for my odd day. Feels like we've had like 12 classes, but. For your literary letters. Yeah, my senior elective. Yeah, my odd day class, odd day, second period. How's, how's that class going so far? Are you doing anything different this year? Um, I did some different things last year and I'm going back to some things I had done in the first couple of years. It's a, it's a great, it's 13, eight RPCS students, five Gilman students. Nice. They've been showing up and laughing and doing the reading and it's great. Yeah, that's it's, great. It's a fun, it's a really nice part of the day. Now, how's the new job as the head of the upper school? How's that going for you? I feel like, um... I think, first of all, I'm grateful for how much help people have either provided or offered um, and encouragement. And I said that at the beginning of our faculty meetings, um, tried to express that gratitude. Um, the team is absurdly strong. The, the, our teachers, you know, our, our deans and academic leaders and administrators. Um, so. I think I worked really hard over the summer to get things organized um, and had a lot of prepared remarks at the beginning of the year. And I, I feel like we're, we have most of that in the rearview mirror and we're kind of chugging along right now and, and good people are doing good things with smart kids. Um, so I'm sure we'll have issues. I'm sure we'll have challenges, but I think right now I'm feeling really lucky and grateful and proud of 2.5 weeks um, in the books and chugging along. Now, were there things, um, like over the summer or last year that were you getting feedback from faculty and, and parents about just like the, the day to day at Gilman that contributed to your thinking about how this year would go? Because I know I, on parent night, I was talking to some of the, the parents about just differences that were, um, or, or changes that were making a little, I'm looking to make this year, particularly in the afternoon. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's maybe the maybe the biggest like change or set of changes. I mean, I, again, I feel really lucky to go back to November and started to like prepare for what this would look like and uh, get ready to talk to the various constituents and why, you know, I wanted this job and and so that was a rigorous process that of course forces you to like prioritize things and be ready with questions and 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 do a lot of listening. And then had the great um, experience of just talking to department chairs and various people all winter and spring and started to get little committees together and things before the summer that made it so that we could hit the ground, the ground running. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, yeah, I mean, I think that trying to get back to a pre-COVID productive afternoon mm-hmm. is and has been um, – a focus, an area of focus. I think Bessie and Christina Kim and others, Robbie Ford, John Moe, um, have built out a more robust program. And so how do you implement that? And how do you get the boys to where they're supposed to be? And how do you 
give them some independence also to pursue their interests in the club world or in the affinity group spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, you know, there's not a whole lot different there. I just think it's it's messaging and it's um, getting the spreadsheets. Yeah, I mean, it's it's and tough. across, and you know, I mean, yeah, it's it's the nitty gritty, and it's and and messaging, I think, too. Um, the, 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 the good teachers and the lessons are now in place and have been in place for a long time. It's just getting the right kids in the right spaces and maybe putting some limitations in um, mm-hmm. uh, to reduce temptation or reduce the confusion. It's maybe, I mean, I, it's like the first couple of weeks, I think attendance at seminars hasn't been perfect, but it's mostly because kids just went to study hall and forgot that they're, they're not sneaking off campus. They're just not necessarily in the right place on campus <laughs> right right um, and, and I will say I prefer I do prefer the the way that we've gone about doing study hall this year versus mm-hmm. the past couple of years with the small pods yeah um, because it's much easier to track my you know 20 kids in my pod than right. I feel like you know we're we're handling 120 kids in the dining hall last yeah, year that's pretty killer yeah <laughs> you also have your advisees there right right um, um and you're able to if necessary you're able to talk through certain things or changes or sign ups or whatever we have advisory today i believe we have advisory every week this year every week which is great yeah. i like seeing my guys yeah, more i do too with my group, we're in the Ballier room, so we call we call them board meetings. They're not they're not advisory meetings. Oh, I like that. I think the students are starting to wear sport coats, and <laughs> we're in the library. We've got the whole um, the back room, the reading room in the library. Wow. You should start inviting in authors to speak to your group. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now they're kind of huddled in the back corner. They all sit on that one couch together. Like the C shaped, the C shaped couch, half the circle. Interesting. So I mean, Super. they're getting to know each other. See if those fireplaces work. Yeah, in the wintertime. <laughs> so, do you usually do you do you like to have a program when you go into advisory, or what's your what's your? Yeah, I I've tried a, a million different things. I I think they like to just be with each other. I think they like to talk about current events if there's something going on in the world. Um, They're all going to want to talk about Aaron Rodgers today. Yeah, the ankle sprain, <sighs> um, um, and the. The fact that the guy who ran back the punt was like one of the last to make the team, I think. Did mm-hmm. you watch? Um, I just watched the beginning and I couldn't believe he got, because everyone was going crazy for him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole offseason was talking about him. He's the yeah. biggest story. It's just, it's a I, bummer. I think Hard Knocks focused on two receivers who made the team, and one of those receivers uh, um, is the guy who returned the punt for a touchdown to win. Oh, they, they, they won, won. Yeah, oh. in overtime. I think it was a punt, yeah. Gibson, maybe. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, they'll want to talk about that, right? And do you? What do you think of Aaron Rodgers? And I mean, that's a he's a controversial dude. Yeah, yeah. So making time to do that and answering questions and and I don't think you can really get to know the those guys in a group setting. And so I, I think over the years I've learned that you have to you got to sit with one or two at lunch and you got to pull one in for an afternoon meeting. And I just that's where the real connection occurs and then it, of course it makes the group meetings that much more fun right and the group meetings are fun bit but it is very performative it gets a little nuts yeah but it's these guys are so funny that i i just laugh let at it, it happen yeah 
We, we're doing uh, children's books again, which I did a few years ago. I think actually when you when you and I were partnered partnered up. Um, uh, so we're doing a little bit of that. But yeah, I, I don't usually go in with much of a program. I guess unless there's business to be done, and but I will come up with maybe a little bit of a lesson plan of sort of two or three things I'd like to do, um, and then and then athletic dismissals mess with those meetings and so you're, you're rarely all i have nine so you're rarely all nine but mm-hmm. yeah orthodontist appointments yeah. right right <laughs> um yeah i remember sitting in your advisory in my first year here and uh it's crazy that i'm at the point where those my first class of juniors is yeah. going to be graduating college, college already yeah which is wild i got a um oh, one of the girls i taught from Bryn Mawr did an internship with one of the guys that played lacrosse with in college at a mm. bank in New York. It was like, hey, uh, you know, you're one of your previous students is uh, on my floor on Wall Street. <laughs> it's, it's, I guess I, I noticed that early, how cool it was that the juniors become adults and, and how much different the, that experience is for a person who teaches kindergartners who needs to wait, you know, mm-hmm. 15 years mm-hmm. to bump into someone out in the real world, you know. Uh, as a young professional but for us that's happens like really really fast Mm -hmm. Um, it's pretty cool so one of the things I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit today about is being in this new role and also having little kids like one of the first things I think about when I think about you is just you as a dad and seeing you with your with your kids Um, and and maybe just ask you about like what that's like I guess, and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a lot more going on this year than in the past. And you've got a new, you know, you're living in a new place. You're, mm-hmm. you're not on campus anymore. And maybe what that looks like and what, you know, what it's like being a dad, I guess, is my main question. Because, you know, I think of Brian Ledyard. I think of <laughs> Papa Ledyard. <laughs> um, I, I'm glad that you think that uh, that's that's. Uh... I think that is a reflection of our connection, and I'm 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 happy that that's the first thing that comes to mind for you, um, and it's obviously my top priority. Um, and I would say it's maybe the hardest work that I do, and and maybe I've complained too much in our interactions over the years, and that's why it comes. So I think of Brian, I think of his <laughs> complaining about his kids. Uh, it's really hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the most important work. Um, and I think we're really lucky, I mean, to have lived on campus through COVID and had our commune down there. And, you know, mm-hmm. we moved, but we're like a eight minute longer walk. Um, so our kids have a lot of independence. Um, and they like to do the after school stuff. So part of a, a administrator's job is to be around and to be involved and to know what's going on and luckily I think I can for the most part bring Ben and Mason to those things um, and if not we've started to leave them home alone every once in a while and they're doing better with that mm-hmm. um, and I think you know and I lived this as a student with a parent on campus I mean I think for the most part um, um, being a Gilman employee and a Gilman dad uh, has has worked pretty well together. I'm, I'm, I'm cl- I was g- 
close with you know L.J. Shapiro last year and his work with Mason. And Mason absolutely loved him. And, and getting time with L.J. in the hallway helped me be a better dad at home. You know, little insights that he would share. And, and um, the same has been true for you know, for Ben, um, uh, they're both really, really excited about their their teachers this year, and so little interactions and getting um, a sense of how things are going is, has been terrific. So, you know, and and this is again where I think Stephanie Harris and Jeff Guline and others are basically like Brian. If if you can't make something, you just need to let us know. I mean, I think Rob kind of shielded me from that and just did everything, um, and I'm not going to be able to. Do that. I'm not going to be able to attend all of the evening events or, you know, if something comes up with the kids, I'm going to have to do something with the kids. And so that's where I think Stephanie has been like, I, I can step into that or, um, mm-hmm. you know, so we're communicating. And so far, I, things have worked out great, you know, and um, uh, if we get childcare, we get childcare. But, you know, it's it's been a, it's helped me see, I think, what makes this place so special is that pre-K to 12, 1,100 kids on one tight-knit campus. You've got the prep one and first graders or kindergarten and prep oneers like walking with the seniors at convocation. I mean, just, you know, I am, I'm not just witnessing that. I'm like experiencing that hmm. and having Mason come home and tell me that he saw an older guy do something, right? Or Ben come home and say, I, I admire, or I, you know, I look up to this. Whether that's, they say that about you, they say that about Brent Holmes and other adults, they also notice and appreciate I mean, I don't know if I told you the story. Mason rode his bike over. I'm forgetting when this was. At some point in the last, like, two or three weeks. And a crazy storm came in in, like, a second. And uh, so I jumped in the car to try to intercept him on his ride home and didn't find him and had left my phone in the kitchen. And I got back. I just went back home. And there were, like, three missed calls. So I called that number. And it was a Gilman kid. And he's like, is this, you know, Mason's dad? I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, Brian Ledyard, he's like, Mason's fine. He's playing basketball in the arena. And, like, I drove back over, and he's shooting hoops with, like, Tyler Marshall. Um, Ray had grabbed his bike and dried it off and kept it in the cage. And it's just like, yeah, you know, I mean. So, and Mason told me, he was like, it came in. He's like, I couldn't untie, like, the weather came in so fast. He's like, I couldn't untie my shoes. He's like, but the, this gentleman guy grabbed my bike, and this gentleman guy grabbed my football, and this gentleman guy grabbed my, like, <laughs> sneakers. And I could just see, like, this, you know, five kids, like, we have to help this third grader who's overwhelmed. And that, you know, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's remarkable. Kind of, it's a, yeah. Being on campus, I mean, there are just so many people right around yeah. here who are just willing to to help out i mean i think i think of you when my house you know when i yeah when it was flooded yeah came back and the pipe burst um <laughs> the smice who took yeah, me in right for a couple couple weeks at the beginning of last school year the basement washer dryer i mean there's just endless advantages dryer from nick Pitcherzella. yeah i mean yeah i i love like you know i I joke with Cesare on the weekends here when there's nothing going on. It's like being on, you know, it's being on an island, basically. Yeah. I'm on the cruise ship. I'm yeah. going to the gym. No one's in there. I'm using the washing machine. Right. <laughs> well, and, and right, there's like ben, there's like the boarding school benefit without the boarding school responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So facility use and safety and inexpensive housing and commute without Friday night you know, 
check-ins and crazy boarding school responsibilities. Right, right. Um, all right, that sounds good. Um, so you've got your class going on. You've got upper school head. You've got being a dad. <laughs> what else is on your mind at the beginning of the year? Um, that's a good question. I, uh, I, I'm trying to be a good partner, you know, to Dana. I'm trying to be a good friend. Uh, I've got friends who, you know, need support and love. Um, I think I'm just trying to stay organized and, you know, anticipate as best as I can. Um, so that if something comes up that we didn't expect, we're, we're ready for that too. Um, Mm -hmm you know, trying to communicate with, with, with teachers. And I'm really enjoying, I mean, I have a sophomore parent coffee on Thursday morning and I, I've, I've had some fun talking to parents and talking, um, with Owen, Owen Daly and admissions enrollment events. And it's just, it's fun to tell the truth and like brag about this place and, and offer anecdotes about why, it's a it's a it's a great place to raise kids and and uh, help you know boys become men of character and integrity. I mean, it's um, I'm I'm living it and I believe it and I love it and appreciate it. And so that part, I guess, of being the head of the upper school has been really gratifying and exciting. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I can't imagine like being a salesperson or something who doesn't actually believe in the product that they're selling. I mean, you know, this is this is easy work in that way. Um, yeah, and you know, uh, I'm, I'm feeling lucky that I'm, I'm actually not coaching. Well, I don't know that I feel lucky. I'm, I'm not coaching the boys. So they're both doing athletic activities that I'm not involved in, which is kind of, kind of nice to sit on the sidelines. Um, I'm not coaching Gilman football for the first time in a long time. And I'm eager to figure out what ways that I can get back into Gilman sports. Um, I think I have taken on the reins of the Inter- intramural basketball like oh yeah lead official uh oh, nice trying to fill the huge shoes of mr hubeck uh that sounds fun to me the intramural basketball i think it'll be fun and and you know um a great chance to meet a whole bunch of you know non-interscholastic athletes and um get to call travels and get to ban the euro step and <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> I'm looking for some faculty pickup basketball yeah. again. I think we got to do better with that faculty versus IM basketball game. Yeah. Man, that arena floor feels pretty big when there's only like seven faculty members involved. Yeah, I should have been out there last year. I think we got to get that on the calendar early. So here's a question for you. If you had to choose your starting five oh, amongst man. Gilman faculty, who would be – would yeah. be on there. Laura Soden. Laura Soden for sure. Um, I think, you know, Matt Z, I don't know what role he plays in the starting five, but he always manages to put, you know, 25 points on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like poor Coach Daly, his, his body is starting to fail <laughs> on him, but he's an he's a amazing, amazing basketball player. Maybe he's the coach. Maybe he's the coach. I feel like you probably want to have the head of school on there to get up and down and shoot a three-pointer and maybe throw a behind-the-back bounce pass. Um, maybe that has me at three. I'm trying to think of other. I guess we probably want to bring some of the youth involved, although maybe the youth should come off the bench. Right. Well, I, I think Bryn Holmes, although he's a wrestler, I don't. Right. I, I always, 
I think it makes me pretty nervous when I see him running around out there. You know, I just worry about the safety of other people around him. Um, but he always hits like a half-court shot. Right. You behind know, his, yeah. Behind his back. Eyes. Yeah. But you can't dribble with two hands. So there's just, you know, there's things about basketball that in some ways get in the way for Bryn. I, I, I feel like Ned Emla gets good rebounds. Russell Wren's inside game is pretty astonishing. Ned Emla definitely boxes out. Yeah, but Russell brings the left-handed, you know, sort of uh, mature finishing ability. Notice I didn't say old man. <laughs> I'm, think, I'm sure I'm missing somebody. I think this is a good question for our for our community. Going forward. Going forward. Yeah. And then I guess Matt, Matt I'm trying to think of our basketball coaches, like Will and, and Matt Baum haven't really, and Adam Braverman, some of these basketball coach people, I imagine, has some skill that we haven't yet tapped mm-hmm. or, or witnessed. <clears throat> so pretty talented team. Sure, I, I, I'd be interested to see. Like, I'm sure there are basketball players at the, the girls' schools too, mm-hmm. on the on their faculties. On the faculty. Yeah, I bet. Basketball is just the best. I think it's the best workout because yeah, you're just up and down. You can't you can't say like you can't not take a playoff. You've right. gotta, you gotta if you if you care, you've gotta do it. But it's exhausting. Um, but my go-to lately is the hot yoga. I think I saw Dana in there one time. Yeah, it's that's just, a workout, man. I just, I just don't stretch very well. I'm not very flexible. I don't find that relaxing. But I can, I can understand. Good for you, not for me. Well, it's not, it's not relaxing really during it, but afterwards you yeah. just feel, you feel like yeah. you just dumped in, you know, a bunch of hot water and yeah. emerged in cold shower, and it's just great. It's cleansing. <laughs> Keep it up. And then, of course, tennis. But I sounds, played Keenan in tennis. He's, sounds like, yeah, you sort of ran into a buzzsaw there. That's the word on the street. That's the word on the street, but that was only – I was just feeling him out. Okay. All right. We'll see what happens. Does Lightning have a nickname for him yet? Have they met? They've met. They okay. met uh, last week, I think. <clears throat> Lightning texted me. and uh, okay. Texted me, good kid, good kid. <laughs> Maybe just the kid is his <laughs> nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to uh, – I guess that's like a Pat Conroy. Is that maybe Prince of Tides? Have you read Prince of Tides? I have not. I think the, I think the coach calls himself the kid. Anyway, let's not go down there because neither of us remembers. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's get to the books. You brought a couple books I in did. today. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, you know, I I read some books this summer. We, we the last time we spoke, we were trying to think about summer reading recommendations, and I I was woefully ill-prepared, but I read two Hernan Diaz novels. Have you heard of this guy? I have, but I have not read. So Trust, the book is called Trust, won the Pulitzer. He's a professor at Columbia, born in Argentina, spent most of his life in Argentina, although lived in Sweden maybe for a little while too. Um, I I wrote this down. The the Washington Post describes Trust as an, an elegant, irresistible puzzle, and I feel like that's like a perfect description. It was a really, a really um, engaging and, uh, again, elegant, and, and you couldn't put it down. There's a mystery, sort of, what, what is coming next component to that. Um, and then I, after that, I read his first book called In the Distance, which I thought might be an interesting, like, American literature. So the uh, a character f- 
and his brother from Sweden are sort of sent to um, New York, although they end up on the other side of the country. They end up in San Francisco, and it's this interesting, like, backwards American journey trying to get from the West back to the East. Hmm. Survivalist, um, uh, really powerful um, journey. Uh, I think it's pr- probably a little long and maybe a little slow, but his his language is really precise and um, um, very visual. Uh, so those are two, I mean, those are really at the top of my mind. I feel like I started a bunch of other, my, my sister gave me Inciting Joy by Ross Gay. Uh, I think Ross Gay actually came to Gilman a long time ago. I think Larry Malkus might have brought him. Yes, I remember someone saying that on the podcast. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful book that I'm enjoying. I read The Art of Gathering, which we had that section for our faculty meeting, Priya Parker. Um, I just started, um, Arini Malfa recommended Take Back the Game by Linda Flanagan. Arini is the head of school at St. Paul's for Girls. Um, her son is my advisee. Um, it's just about like the craziness of youth sports. I mean, that, an opening line that Ben and I are both reading it, it um, the youth sports sports industry in 2019 was valued at like 19 billion dollars, a little bit more than NFL's value. <laughs> like really? the youth sports industry is this like huge. I don't even know what word to put on it. Um, oh wow! But just all the things, many of the things that you and I have talked about: sports specialization, sports specialization, for-profit sports, back injuries you know, stress, uh, just the, the, the world or the ever changing and evolving. And I, and I would say sort of toxic world around youth sports that works its way up to high school and college. So I just started that. I, I sort of wish I had picked it up two weeks ago so we could talk about it. Um, but I did want to put it on your radar. Um, but then I brought the books that I brought are the books that I'm currently teaching. So we're just finishing our like last conversation tomorrow with the summer reading book, which is Perks of Being a Wallflower. And then we'll start Love Letters um, on Friday. Love Letters was a Larry Malkus recommendation a few years ago. Um, and I guess, I, I don't these aren't, I don't know that these are like favorite books of mine, but there's something about what what you're currently teaching as being like the thing that's most important from like a literary standpoint and when you get as old as I am if you've taught a book more than once in some cases like Gatsby you know 16 times uh, it's pretty amazing to see it through 16 different sets of eyes in, in your in your current classroom and like read it again that way and experience it again that way and just reinforces a lot of what I think you and I talked about when we taught together around the absurdity of the website that says this book is about these five words, you know, when in fact this book can be about 20 different things times the 20 times that you've, you know, taught it. Um, You know, so the last time we we got together, I brought Sing Unburied Sing, and it was just so amazing the way that I was experiencing that novel for like the fifth time through the eyes of 17 incredibly intelligent seniors and feeling very differently about it and learning a lot more about it than I had the previous year. So, you know, in terms of a book recommendation, I, I sometimes if I feel like I can't get out of what I'm currently working with my students on. Yeah, I actually feel exactly the same, and that's why it's 
um, kind of ironic that, you know, on this podcast, I asked everyone for their book. Their Bring a one, book. Their right. one book recommendation. Right. Um, for me, when everyone, when someone ever asked me that question, what's your book recommendation for right. me? It's like my mind just goes blank because I just go back to what I'm reading right now. Right. Yeah. So I, I agree with that completely. And I, we've talked about this, like that, the, that context matters, that who handed you the book matters, that who you're reading the book with matters. Like in, in my mind, all of that stuff is part of like the experience of the work of literature um, and the ways in which you talk about it, of course, influences how you're, how you're engaging with it, how you're reading it and how you're trying to, you know, um, uh, potentially write an essay about it or whatever. Um, so, you know, I picked a couple of these texts like four years ago and it's interesting to, you know, to think about them differently now. So here's a question for you. So I know, I know Ben is like a really big reader. He loves reading. He is. Like all the time. Mm -hmm. um, for you, were you, were you always that way? Or was there like one book that really triggered? Was there a trigger that, oh, I really love this book or I love reading? Like for me, it was actually The Scarlet Letter when I was in, I mean, I always loved reading, but The Scarlet right. Letter in 10th yeah. grade was like, wow, this is really yeah. cool. And I think the way that it was taught um, with me by Miss Nordzik, who was actually mm -hmm. on the podcast mm -hmm. episode, she, she was great. And you know, I remember my friend Hirsch, who just hated it and would do the spark notes mm -hmm. and would do better on the quizzes than I would do. <laughs> and I read it like religiously the night before and, and loved it. Just couldn't remember. I don't know. Was there, was there something like that for you? Or? Yeah. I mean, I think I had some, really some teachers that I connected with. And so, um, read more carefully in those classes and paid, paid closer attention. Um, and the same was true in undergrad. Um, I think I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty slow reader. I think I still am. And, and it's interesting. I'm seeing some of this in my younger son, Mason. And, and so there's a patience where there's an, there's a noticeable impatience, uh, with the reading process. And I, that was, that was me. It's, it's sort of not as much me now, but I, I was in some ways too impatient to really become a reader as a younger person. I mean, I think, you know, that joke, uh, read it, I haven't even taught it. I mean, when I started teaching English was when I really, I think, became a reader. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe the parents of the, you know, juniors in the class of 2004 might, might want their money back. I mean, I, but that, like, as I was experiencing a work of literature with four sections of juniors or of younger, you know, seniors, that that's when I really started to love it and feel like I was good at it and could lead conversations. And then the grad school work that I did at Hopkins, where then I started, again, I was like, I sort of woke up in that way and then was, was educated in maybe how to lead more sophisticated conversations. I mean, I think that's when I really started to feel like I was a reader and like I, it was exciting to me. And, um, again, I, I mean, I, I read my college, part of my college rec letter I read at ninth grade orientation a couple weeks ago. And like, and the second paragraph is the person that wrote the rec letter had taught me as a ninth grader. And the second paragraph is about me as a ninth grader. And it's like, 
like an up and comer and like uh, not didn't quite have his academic sea legs and like <laughs> approached his homework as like a like a chore and it didn't really and so that that's from like a maturation perspective that's where I was um, I think some of that I started to um, dig a little deeper as I got older but you know really in my like early 20s as I was standing in front of 16 smart kids being asked to lead a discussion on Hamlet. I remember working with my dad. In those days, Hamlet was the first text. And I had been told in the middle of a JV football practice that I wasn't going to do ninth grade. I was going to do 11th grade. And so I had, you know, I called my dad and I think my dad actually even came to Baltimore for a couple of those conversations. Thank, thank goodness. Um, but that's when that sort of responsibility of leadership helped me step into the role. Really long answer, Jake. No, but I think that's uh, that's what I think about all the time. Teaching something yeah. makes you understand it, makes you learn it right. in a much deeper way. Like I'm teaching, I'm teaching U.S. history right. this year, and right. for the first time, for the first time, and I'm coming in all psyched up about James because I'm relearning a lot of this stuff as I'm teaching it. Right. So I'm much older than my students, and I'm excited about like I'm refreshed and energetic about it and right. I need to remind myself that Jamestown isn't that exciting for <laughs> for like the regular 16 year old right. person <clears throat> and so, so that, how do you make them feel as enthused or and that's when I feel like like this notion of like explanations came into my like teaching practice like can you explain this because mm -hmm. if you can explain it like you've really and in, you've really internalized it and you've put your own words on it Right. I mean, thinking about like even just like explaining or defining theme, right, or explaining to someone how to craft a thesis statement. Some of these things, you know, became part of my course syllabus 15 years in as an educator, because mm -hmm. if you can, you know, and, and, and then leading the poetry lessons or whatever, like that's a classic like teacher thing to do. But can you explain this concept? Can you teach this to someone else? And really, for me, can you make it interesting for, yeah, like, I just, when, when the eyes glaze over right. and it's almost lunchtime, right. I, I look inward at myself, like, what, why am I, why is this not interesting? Right. <laughs> well, and I guess, and that's a, like a lesson in, that's a lesson in humility, I think, right? For sure. It's definitely, it's not, teaching is not easy. You know, no. you're, you're, you have to make 16 year olds with, Short attention spans yep. care about today, city upon a hill, John Winthrop. Right. I, I don't know. We'll see how I do. Well, and then also acknowledging that they have a million things going on, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot to think about and a lot to remember. And What was the salvage the bones? And we might be running short on time. What, yep. what was the salvage the bones uh, connection this summer? I, I feel like we haven't talked through that. Salvage the Bones. So I took a class called American Naturalism, uh, and we read, we read a ton of books. The professor, this woman named Kate Marshall at uh, Notre Dame, okay. and she's she was intense. And we had mm. maybe eight books on the syllabus. Jeez. Um, and this is for my bread loaf yeah. program. Um, we read Maggie, a girl from the streets. Yeah. We read The Street by Ann Petrie, which mm. was which was pretty good. Um, something to look into. The Street. Um, we read Native Son. Um, we read McTeague. And then we read No Country for Old Men. Mm. And then we read Salvage the Bones. Mm. 
and all of these books, they're, they're depressing books because none of the characters really make it out of their situation. And it's all about the confinement of their lives and circumstances and environmental factors that make it pretty much impossible for them to overcome. Right. Um, and that's really what naturalism, the genre is. And Salvage the Bones, the last book we read, I had to do a presentation kind of on this, this genre Okay. Uh, and I and I tried to put it into a lesson plan for students if I'm ever going to teach these okay. books, like Salvage the Bones we taught before. But um, thinking about like what I can do to kind of hook my students into this theme of naturalism, and there's an album by Mac Miller, the the rapper, um, called Swimming, oh. and uh, it's all about like tre- like he had a relationship with Ariana Grande that was really toxic or went bad and he passed away like from an overdose not too long after the the breakup Mm -hmm. and right before that he wrote this album called swimming and all the songs on the album have to do with the same idea of like not being able to climb out of a situation and drowning yeah and you see drowning and salvage the bones um but yeah and the music video for one of the songs was like the perfect fit for for, for the this, presentation. For the presentation. So, hmm. um, and Mac Miller, someone that, you know, I grew up listening to, and I know right. a lot of our students do, so I feel like he's... That can be a hook, yeah. Good hook for them. But I had fun with it. It was interesting. Well, and I guess it's a, another way of thinking about surviving, mm-hmm. at least in Salvage the Bones, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool reading that book again. You know, I read that and, and yeah. taught that a few years ago, but... Right. Um, in the context of this class. Uh, de- determinism, like, are, like, do you have the ability to get out of this situation or not? And th- in some ways, that I think that our students have gotten frustrated with Esh mm-hmm. and this notion that she doesn't have a mom and she, de- right? And, and yet, can't she just make a decision to go this other direction? Does she have options? Does she have, so is it a choice or, or does she not have any options at all, right? Right. Right, and I think it ties in really well to the American dream right. idea too. Right. And you know, is the American dream always is—is is it always real for people? Right, right. And I guess again, maybe trying to decide or trying to redefine what like success is and what like, you know, she. She's determ- She thinks that China will return, and China will know that she's a mother, and is and. Mm-hmm. Is that a version of success, even though it, it runs con- contrary or in a different direction to the to the typical dream? Yeah. And if the baby has plenty of daddies, then right, it looks much different than you know right typical conception of that. But right. Yeah, yeah. And what is it exactly that they quote unquote make them know? You know, mm-hmm. what do Skeeta and China have that? she so desperately wants. <laughs> yeah, great book. So you do you read that in your Jasmine Ward yeah. class? Yeah. 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 So um could be a way to introduce it, I guess, or naturalism something mm-hmm. to talk about, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was interesting delving into just this idea of determinism mm-hmm. all summer. Right. And Maggie, man, that's a that's a really sad. I guess it's is it categorized as a novella? I mean, it's like a sort of a yeah, three or four part only, I think, 90 pages long. And I'm okay. actually going to teach that in American literature. I used to do that, too. Yeah. 
I'm forgetting. I feel like I'm forgetting some of it, but just how I mean it, the 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 setting is almost a character, and right. I mean, yep. just how influential the place is. Yep. I feel like we Jamie Spragans helped me with that a long time ago, and we we read we looked at is it Jacob Reese the How the Other Half Lives, mm-hmm. the, the the photographs of of the tenements. I think that's the right word. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, Maggie. Yeah. Um, there's uh, the photographs, like the muckraker photographs, and then another source to, to use that I'm going to use, uh, the Ashcan School of Artists, and they basically just painted people living in these um, tenements in New York City. and you know. It's like, is it 1890s? It's like turn of the century? Turn of the century. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think I remember doing that right around the semester break and having students look back at the first semester. In, in the old days, we would do it more chronological, which you can't keep doing because you just ran out of time. But Maggie, and I, sometimes I feel like we even paired it with, with Gatsby. I don't know. Hmm. But it was nice to get up. Yeah, Stephen Crane, that's right. Stephen Crane. I taught the boat, or the open boat, too. Yeah, yeah. It's a long, short story. All right, Brian. Well, thank you uh, for your time today. It was fun getting you back on the podcast. Three years later, almost to the almost to the day, like maybe a month away from yeah. three years. And this is the season opener, so jeez, uh, special. <laughs> <laughs> Come back for even better episodes in the think twenty three twenty four school year. <clears throat> Excited. Thank you, Chesray. Thank Brian. you very much.